0: Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV club for over nine semesters, and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now they're joining forces, ladies and gentlemen. Rick and Nick talk flicks.
1: All right, welcome back around. We are making the turn to fall, and Rick and Nick talk flicks continues with a chill in the air. Yesterday
0: was Labor Day Monday. Yesterday, as the day we're recording this, and it was unofficially the last day of summer the marble of temperature just fell off the table. We got freeze warnings immediately.
1: Yes. We most definitely did. Yep. It came quick and harsh. I do well, not necessarily harsh. I like fall a lot.
0: It's I like fall, but it's so yesterday was summer. It's like being chased out of a movie theater with the theater owner with a shotgun.
1: Come on, out, out,
0: out, out, out everybody. Can't you low slowly leisurely take your time? Yeah, progressively lament. moving
1: from one season to the other, but Not so, at least so far. We'll see what the rest of September brings. But welcome to Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Uh, We are sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, which is open and located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. If you're not so comfortable coming to see a movie, you can come and pick up your popcorn from the Bemidji Theater to enjoy at home. If you are ready to go back to the movies... They've got new releases that are hitting the screen, and we're going to be talking about one of them here in just a few moments uh, with today's episode, as we also kind of take stock of the movie scene a little bit.
0: Yeah, it, what a weird time, and I've really not kept up with release dates, because what's the point? Now, Tenant got moved, what, 27 times, it seems like. They were going to come out middle of, I think, July originally, they got bumped to August and September. And then it kinda of did a staggered opening throughout various different countries and it finally opened in the US on a staggered level. And uh, the numbers just came out for the opening weekend for tenant, which if this was not a pandemic, they would be bad numbers. But with the pandemic and a lot of folks not going, fifty million was what it pulled in for opening weekend. Twenty. Twenty million. You're right. Yes. Twenty. I just I flipped the number, sorry. Okay. Darn that list dexia Yeah. And uh, just over twenty million. Just over twenty million and uh, which under the circumstances maybe not the worst but then again it's not what it would have made if there wasn't a pandemic
1: right 150 million in total worldwide i think that's where you were thinking of the 50 yeah. that's it was 150 million worldwide 20 million in the us and they are hailing it as being a successful open that's how much things have changed these days with the pandemic going on and there are a couple of reasons why it's being considered a success one because Literally, it's the first big blockbuster-type movie to hit the big screen since the pandemic had kicked in. And this was going to be the big test, was how well would this do with hitting the big screen. Overall, they're relatively pleased with it. And the second reason why it's being considered a success is that there are two cities that didn't even have the movie open. And that was New York and Los Angeles people unable to get back to the theaters in either of those two cities. So you're losing a large chunk of viewers there from those particular places. You have theaters that aren't even totally reopened around the country. They did a special thing. Warner Brothers had a special thing that they did for this movie where they had an early access, which I was able to take advantage of last week, where people could go in the days leading up to its official release date and see the movie if your theater was already open. So they did that in several places, and that gave me the chance to go see it on a Monday last week. So I, I've i seen the movie over a week ago now and got a chance to go see it. So they did a, a few things like that to try to help with the release and give people a chance to get into the theaters to sort of dip their toes back in, so to speak, if they had not gotten the opportunity to go back to the theater yet. And... Overall, the marketplace is pretty pleased with how the movie has done. Well, I've got questions
0: that I don't have answers to, but I'll ask the questions anyway with the Hollywood math. I mean, it didn't cost any less because of the pandemic to make this movie. In fact, Tenet and others – were made pre-pandemic, and it still costs a lot of money to make those movies of the various different budgets, but they're going to maybe, ultimately, make back less of that money than they could have otherwise, so their percentage of you know gross versus net is going to be off compared to a non-pandemic year. So, you could look at it as a success, yes, but... You always find all these creative ways to have Hollywood math. Well, we didn't make enough money on this. Jim Cameron had famously said he made no money off of Titanic himself hmm. because he you know, paid so much of his own money and stuff. Yeah. I got to think, there's no way. There is no way. Well, we had $20 million. We're not going to pay Stan Lee the percentage that he's owed because that's once we cross this number and we didn't cross this. There's no way that they're really missing that kind of money on these movies. But now they got to know they're not going to make that kind of money. So, you're going to continue to make tentpole movies. And if this pandemic isn't going to be over, let's just say for argument's sake, does that mean every budget for every movie is going to be slashed, tent poles in particular? Are movies in the 2020s going to look almost retrograded compared to the 2010s because they can't afford the money on it because they know they can't make the money back? You know, so if it's a success, that's great. But how come. You'll make a movie that will make, I thought, made pretty decent money, like Star Trek Beyond. It made pretty good money, but it didn't make the money that they wanted it to make, so it's a
1: crushing disappointment. I think the way that they are going to perceive this is going to change for for this particular stretch of time. Yeah, it's going to change. Just by default, because of the time that we are in and because of all that is going on, will that change the kind of movies? That's a good question. I think that's one that's worth bringing up for later on in the episode for the meat of the episode today of just evaluating some some of the possible changes that we could be facing because of the pandemic. I think that's worth revisiting again later on. But think about this, too. The budget for the movie apparently was in the 200 to $225 million range. Uh, that's according that's to what I'm seeing. If you're making
0: the movie, then you find right. out that it's almost that times two to promote it. So a $200 million movie to film probably costs somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 to $5 million total when you start going into promotion of the movie. And look at James Bond. To, you know, No Time to Die was supposed to come out in April, and they were already starting to promote it before, well, I don't know, started to move in with the pandemic and then they shut it down. So that's right. money spent gone. Isn't going to help you now for a November release. They still need to start from scratch on that. So you already are in the hole for that. Not to mention movies that will call in for a reshoot. And then anything else that you know develops, it gets tagged on top of that. It just it gets to the point where you lose your margin for error. And maybe that's not a bad thing. How many times, well, we started shooting without a script. You know, we had no script. You can't afford that nowadays. You better have a script and be lean with your budget and make every dollar count. But anyway, hopefully it means you still get a good movie. People seeing it or not seeing it in the droves that they used to, hopefully movies like Tenet turn out to be good movies. Which brings us to a special portion of our episode nope, today. Nope, nope. Don't wanna hear? Don't want to hear where
1: we are going to do I am going to do a review. I'm not of listening. Tenet. I haven't seen it yet. How about this, Dave? How about you leave the podcast for the moment? You'll just leave the podcast. People will have to envision this in their mind. And I take over for about ten to twelve minutes. I'm not listening to that. I don't want to know. I want to go and see it. So I'm not fingers in my ears. That's fine. La, la, la. Alright, now that Dave has cleared out of the room, let's get down to business and talk a little bit about Tenet. So, for starters, I'm going to do a spoiler-free review of the movie so that people who haven't got a chance to watch it yet can sort of take in a few general comments about the movie. Then I'll get into a few more specifics on the back end of this uh, in terms of how I felt about the movie. So, for starters, just for everybody, I thought it was a very, very good movie, and this is I mean I have to come with the caveat here this is coming from somebody who likes Christopher Nolan's movies a lot but I liked it a lot it was it was a very entertaining movie yes, your head will spin when you watch this movie I think it's it's only fair to put that out there it is a head spinner even for a Christopher Nolan movie this is this is pretty deep this is pretty complex with with what they do and what they get into with some of the concepts in this movie but Visually, it is stunning. It is a stunning, stunning movie visually, which is why I recommend if you are comfortable with going to the theater right now and you're okay with going to see a new movie in person, this is a movie that's worth going to see in person. It's just that good visually, and the stunts are mind-blowing, and there are moments in the movie, especially with this concept of time inversion, where they pull things off visually, and you go, how in the world did they do this? How in the world did they do this? And that happened a couple of times throughout the course of the movie for me, especially as the movie progresses. It really becomes mind-boggling with the visuals and how good some of these set pieces were and the way that they pieced all of this together for the finished product. So, on a visual side of things... And in a visual sense, this is a pretty incredible movie. As far as some of the critiques of the movie, maybe some people have heard that there's not a whole lot that, that comes as far as character development. That is true. There's not a whole lot there. However, I think there is a reason for that, and I'll explain a little bit more about that in the spoiler zone uh, for those who have gone to see it. But I'll just say for those who haven't gone to see it yet, there's enough that's there to get a little bit of backstory character fleshing out on the surface, even though it is somewhat surface level. So, don't worry too much about that, but yes, are these characters a little bit one-dimensional? They are. I think there's a little bit more to it than that, though, and I'll talk about that again in uh, in the spoiler section of it. As far as the the characters go and as far as the the cast go it is a tremendous cast John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, um Kenneth Branagh, they're the main core cast. Small part for Michael Kane is within it. He's usually in every Christopher Nolan movie it feels like. He's got a small bit part in it. It's pretty brief. For those four, they the movie really revolves around them, and and they are very solid. All of them are very very good within their respective roles, and with the way that they work off each other. Kenneth Branagh as a, a Russian villain is is an interesting one, but he's he's really solid, really really strong uh, within the role that he's got. And it was interesting seeing him in a character that is a little bit more fleshed out and is a little bit more of a central character than what we got in Dunkirk where it was just a very brief one with him. It was kind of cool seeing Nolan work with him in a way where he's got a little bit more to his character with this movie. And he certainly does with with his character within this movie. But the movie primarily centers on John David Washington's character and his is a really, really interesting character, but for how unique his character is, I thought he did really well with it and and gave a little bit of depth to a Clint Eastwood man with no name Western kind of character that he had and he did really well with it and I like how he and Robert Pattinson feed off of and work with each other within the movie too that's that's another unique element and, and neat element of the movie is the way that they work off of each other another cool thing about this movie in addition to the visual splendor that you get with the stunts it's neat too with some of the locations that get used in this movie because you get some different locations that you typically wouldn't get with a whole lot of movies how many movies do you hear of where they're filming in estonia denmark norway you've got locations like that there's a little bit in in india there's a little bit that comes in italy actually quite a bit that comes in in italy and around italy and you've got you've got a little bit that comes from england too So on the whole, you get some really unique locales that come with this movie and some interesting places and some interesting things that they do within the movie too. There's a little bit of sailing that goes on with it as well. Just overall, another neat element of it as well is just the setting and the different settings that come with the movie. So on the whole, again, it is very complex. The concept of time inversion, it is a little bit difficult to wrap the mind around. There are a few moments, too, where some of the audio is a little bit tough to pick up on and to tell what they're saying, especially during some of the sailing scenes and when there are some masks that get used. No, it's not COVID-related, a little bit different than that, but it is visually a tremendous movie. It's the kind of movie that you really do have to go see in theaters to get the full grasp of because it's just visually a stunning movie to watch, and It does harken back to some of the elements of Christopher Nolan's previous movies that he's done as far as some of the the things that he relies upon. So somebody described it to me as this is the most Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan movie, and I think that is pretty accurate on the whole. I'd give it four out of five stars uh, just after one watch, but I certainly do want to go back and watch it again. Now, I want to get into some spoilers, so this is a point to jump off if you have not gotten to watch the movie yet, all right? Okay, let's get into a few spoiler-related things for those who have gotten a chance to watch the movie. I would say that this is a movie about a story. It's a movie about the concept of a story. When you kind of think about it a little bit, the whole movie I was thinking to myself, who is John David Washington's character? What's his name within this? Well, by the end, you get the sense of what role he serves. He is the protagonist. He is the protagonist of the story. He's that that watcher, that person who oversees things, you know, from that protagonist kind of standpoint who who finds that way. So, it kind of became a story about a story over time once I got to that point and once they they revealed he is the protagonist. That's simply who he is, the protagonist. It's not just conceptual, that's just also who he then becomes within the course of the movie and with the way that he uses the inversion of time then. And that, too, is another element of of the movie that's interesting, is that when I think about what, where this movie seems to align as far as Christopher Nolan's previous movies, think the concept behind the narrative structure of one of his earliest movies, which was Memento. Think about that concept, that coming together of the story from you're you're following along chronologically from how it got to the beginning point in the black and white and you've also got the the reverse you're going backward in the the color portions of it and then they come together to where the movie begins at the very beginning think like that concept of time becoming something that they revolve the story around and that they make this story about that's kind of what it became funny enough Although, I'd say in terms of feel, this movie feels a lot like The Prestige, or a little bit more like The Prestige in its feel, just with maybe more of a budget, while also borrowing some of the visuals of Inception. Like I said, a lot of his different movies coming together into this story uh, that they have here with this particular story. So back to John David Washington being the protagonist. That's why I think there's a little bit more to it than these are one-dimensional characters. They're one-dimensional characters who are characters representing a story about a story with the protagonist, with the different roles that they fulfill within the story. And it's all kind of about the concept of that story, especially with the way that that it revolves around the inversion of time and then how they use the inversion of time to to their different... Purposes for Elizabeth Debicki's character, it's for for trying to ensure her and her son's safety. For um, for the antagonist within this story, who of course is Kenneth Branagh's character, it's about having things his own way, even if it means taking everybody with him at the very end. For Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, within the story, it's about. Working with the protagonist, helping the protagonist, setting up the protagonist, even if it means withholding important information from him. With, of course, some of those times where he knows something but doesn't let on, and then he just kind of lets the story play out because he knows how things go. So it's really a story about a story on the whole, which when you think about that and you think about the way that that plays out, it's pretty... It brings a little bit more clarity to the story, to think about it that way. I also did enjoy at the beginning when the the one character who is explaining the concept of time inversion to the protagonist says to John David Washington about Tenet. When it comes to tenant, try not to understand. don't try so hard to understand it. Just feel it. experience it. Kind of goes for the movie as well. And again, there's another another bit of symbolism. Talking about the movie too. If you spend so much time trying to wrap your mind around what did all of this mean, you're going to miss out on the experience of the movie. And I'd, I love just kind of getting immersed in the experience of the movie because it was amazing to hit that realization point of, oh my gosh, John David Washington's fighting himself at this point in the movie. Oh wow, he's going to actually step into inverted time here and he's going to go back to this point that happened earlier in the movie and he's about to relive it and re-experience it all over again. You get those kinds of elements that come along then that make you just go wow. Oh man. And then by the end of it you're going I really do need to go back and watch again and see just how much there was under the surface that that had been missed the first time. But then again that's classic Christopher Nolan. So again a little bit more to it than perhaps on the surface level. But how cool were some of those fight sequences? How cool was that end of the movie, that, that final act of the movie, where they've got this massive invasion force that's coming in to try to to take care of the final mission, and one's going one direction in time, the other's going another direction in time. Pretty amazing. Again, pretty amazing visually, and then story-wise, when you can grab hold and grasp how all of that took place so overall really really enjoyed tenant really really recommend getting a chance to see it again if you've already seen it or if you're back in if you've jumped back in here at this point highly highly recommend getting a chance to go see this in theaters if you can all right dave you can come back in now is it safe yes it's is it safe. safe yep we you got all our discussion our figures in. are in my i can't even hear what you're saying are you sure I'm giving you the thumbs up right now. If you start talking more review, I swear I'm going to cry. No worries. It's all taken Carole care of. Cried. I had my time. Was it so. any good? Tell me, was it good? It was good. Okay, yes. that's
0: it right there. Nothing more.
1: All right. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I don't know when I'm going to get the chance to see this. It'll really make your mind work, though. Just be prepared for that. See, with the big turnaround now,
0: <laughs> and they're not holding on to the... It used to be like an unofficial gentleman's agreement between the studios and the theaters. We won't show it in any other method, you know, home video or streaming or anything else for, say, three months. Well, that has gone out the window in the pandemic. So when tenant becomes available for those not going to the theater... When will that be? That's a good question. You could, you, you, I don't think history is going to be a good indicator because all that stuff is changing. Right. And I really want to go. I want to see the new movies. I want to see the classic movies. I've never seen Jaws on the big screen, but it was on the big screen this summer. It was. But I'm not going to go yet. And that's, uh, that's, that's the tough one right now because we've got everybody not, a lot of people not going. And I want to be clear that I'm not looking down my nose at those that do. There's a difference between those that are going into situations that could be risky, but you kind of have to go, but you take precautions, and those that, "Eh, it's fine, and they just go marching in, and then they wonder why two weeks later they get a positive test of COVID. I don't know where I could have got it from. That's true, because you probably could have got it from anywhere Just marching around. So I know you've gone to see the movies and you've gone in with a mask and you're taking precautions and there's distance between everybody else. You're doing what you can do. Same thing going to the supermarket. You can get it just as easy at the supermarket, but I kind of need to go to the supermarket because, you know, got to eat, got a kid. He's hungry too. But you go in and you're marching and you've got... You're not going into loiter. You go in, you you strike, and you move. Mask is on. You get your six feet of distance. If it's too crowded and too many people walking around without a mask, I don't go shopping that day. I'll come back at in like a weird off time, you know. Um, but going to the theaters, I miss this. I really, really do. But I want to support them, and I don't do it every day. Maybe not every week, but every so often, I'm thinking about it. I'll swing by and I'll pick up a soda and a popcorn or something because the snack bar is the way the the theaters make their money. For every, you know, depending on the region, depending on the theater, depending on the chain, for every dollar you buy on a ticket, maybe a dime of that dollar goes to the theater itself. So they make their money on the snack bar. You want to support your local theater, but you don't want to go in like me, get hungry, get on your mask, go to the snack bar in between showings. If the showings here are like seven-ish and nine-ish, go in at eight-ish. Get yourself a popcorn or some in-between time and get a popcorn and a beverage. Support your theater that way. And that helps. Tell them you can't wait to be back for real and buy a ticket and everything, but
1: I don't know how they do it in performing arts centers right now, or even think about the sports arenas as well that would typically be getting so much use at this time of year. I, I really, I don't know how they are are doing it as far as getting through during these times. I mean, even movie theaters, thankfully, they've gotten a little bit creative with the whole come and get popcorn idea because some of the best popcorn can be found at the movie theaters. For whatever reason, they just have the magic touch of being able to get the butter right and get the salt right and everything that you love about movie theater popcorn, and they can offer that. For people who'd like to come and enjoy the concessions and be able to, to to continue to still take those in, I don't know how they would do it with some of these performing arts centers or sports arenas that would be getting much more use during these times. I hope they're doing okay the during, word is during the times that we're in. You
0: don't realize how interconnected everything is, right? Like down in the Twin Cities, by the way, Target Field, which is where the Minnesota Twins play Major League Baseball. Um, A lot of times those concession stands are manned, not necessarily by employees, but by volunteers of various charities. And the Metrodome era was when they really did this. All of them were manned by volunteers. And they would have a day where, okay, this day is manned by United Way, and this day is manned by the Humane Society. And whatever percentage they would get, they would work the booths. You know, the, the stadium and the authority or the owner or whoever, the team, got whatever their percentage was. But so did the charities. Charities are losing mm-hmm. this money now because they can't work at the games because who are they going to sell hot dogs to? Yeah. You know, nobody. There's there's nobody there. Pretty much everyone's got to bring in their own. You know, theaters make – or the stadiums and the arenas, they make their TV deals. So they're still doing sweet because they're still showing those games on TV. And people are yep. probably tuning in more than ever because you can't go to the game it's everyone's got to be creative and in the ways that you can't now you're selling cardboard cutouts so your face can be behind the backstop and they're going to do the same thing with the nfl somebody had a cutout of bernie from weekend at bernie's remember him the dead guy and oh yeah he's sitting there in his sunglasses with the smirk on and he's sitting behind home plate i don't know if the people that put him up were in on the joke they knew what he was or they just "Eh, it's funny or they had no idea so Bernie was sitting. I don't know. It wasn't the Twins game. It was somebody else that was showed up? I'll on bet Sports there Center. was
1: some intentionality behind that. I would imagine people oh, of have been pretty clever with that. I was it LA. I saw the entire cast of the Sam Lot at one of the places, oh, sitting awesome. right behind home plate.
0: <laughs> I love that. If I was going to put my picture there, I'm not going to spend the twenty bucks or forty bucks or whatever it is. Eh, I would love to take a picture of myself looking like a halfwit, eyes crossed not a very intelligent expression on my Something face. Something distracting. Like every day. Yeah. And put that there. You know, what idiot would want to look like an idiot on national TV? This
1: idiot. Right. <laughs> but if it's in the name of throwing somebody off as they're trying to throw a pitch, maybe it would work. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it here. I'd buy I'd buy a, a
0: cardboard cutout at Progressive Field where the Indians play cuz oh. I, I don't want them to do well. Perfect. But yeah, anyway. Perfect.
1: Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about where things are heading or predicting where things are heading because, again, this is all very Fluid. ambiguous. So we're just kind of taking a shot in the dark as far as seeing where things might be going in the future. But let's move on from Tenant, which is in theaters right now, and talk about what's coming to theaters. So Tenant was considered to be the gatekeeper. It was considered to be the that the first sand. one across the line to go, how is this all going to work? It's out. It will not have a lot of major competition for the next several weeks, too, which will help with the money, which you talked about earlier. And if people are feeling more comfortable going back to theaters, it could help its numbers.
0: It may have a longer run in theaters than it would have otherwise because you don't have a whole bunch of other films clamoring to take that screen space. Correct. Uh, So there's that. You're also going to want theaters that are going to want newer content, because they haven't had that since about March, let alone been open in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah, so Tenet will not have a ton of competition until we get to early October, and that is when Wonder Woman 1984 was moved back to. First weekend in October, just had a new trailer that was released a couple of days ago to help continue to build promotional hype for the film. Then you go into mid-November, it's a little bit later, to mid to later November, that is when No Time to Die has been moved back to, the new James Bond movie, and that's the next big tentpole movie that's coming along. And then you go into December and you start to have a few more that start to come about, and then you go into the new year. I think in October as well, Death on the Nile is coming along, which was the follow-up to Murder on the Orient Express uh, and is another remake, just like Murder on the Orient Express was. So we get a couple of Gal Gadot movies that are coming here in the in the near future, funny enough, and that is set for an October release as well, later on in October. So there's not a whole lot otherwise, though, as far as big-time movies that are new hitting movies. the big screen until we get into later in the year and, and the new year in 2021. But going back to some of your thoughts that you and i had when we were talking about the podcast episode today you were saying dave that that you think there may be some concerns of the virus continuing to spike a little bit as we go throughout the rest of the year if that's the case this staggered opening of big movies works then because then they can can sort of evaluate how the marketplace is doing, how comfortable people are going out and about. Can they go out and about as things get colder and as we get later into the year? They've got some time to evaluate that, even as we've already had one big tentpole movie across the line and open. They can evaluate how things are going as they've gotten things moved back.
0: Yeah, it's... um, You know, I want to go see movies in the worst way. I want to have a normal life like I used to, but at the same time, I want to take those precautions. So the prediction... The trend also has been over the summer, Memorial weekend, people get together with or without precautions, and there was a spike. Fourth of July, people did the same thing, there was a spike. Well, now we're coming out of Memorial or Labor Day weekend, and of course, right on the heels of that is the start of the 2020-21 school year. And in a lot of districts, not all, some have been early, some have been late. In fact, uh, here where we're recording this, the District 31 Bemidji District has pushed back the start of the school year, which would have been this morning, another week. Right. So on Monday the 14th is when that's when the school year will begin. That's a week after Labor Day. These things take a week to two weeks before symptoms start to show. Will there be another spike and will those spikes contain families that have members that are going to school and will that go to school and will that just go like crazy because the previous two spikes, Memorial and Fourth of July, we didn't have school in session. Now we do. So rather than being contained into a smaller area, now it could spill into the schools and you could have a real big problem. It's potential. And uh, so now there's the prediction that's just been coming out that fall is not in looking to be good. The flu season's going to be coming back in. Colder weather is already here, at least in our neck of the woods. They got a snowstorm in Colorado today, you know, already it's turning real quick. So people are going to be going more indoors than outdoors, and that's going to get people in closer proximity If the numbers start to go up, they haven't really done a lot of jostling of the schedule from, say, December on, even when the pandemic started. Well, that's December. That's so far away. And now they're going to be looking at how Tenet's doing, how Wonder Woman will do, how James Bond will do. And if those start to kind of eh, look for another mass exodus of dates, I would think. So to that point, I think the dates that we talked about for this month, next month, and November certainly are important because those are key other lines in the sand. And if those lines get crossed watch for December to rapidly shift.
1: Well, they've got two things that they're looking at right now of how this could go. One would be tenant, where you have some good build up to it, you get some good reviews that come with it, and you have what is a relatively successful open. Or you have a case like The New Mutants, where you get terrible reviews, you get terrible numbers that come with it as well, and a worst-case scenario kind of situation, like with that movie, which has been... Just a bomb. That movie is just absolutely bombed with trying to get back on the big screen but I think and, anyone that and get follows, back out there.
0: I think anyone that follows movies in the pipeline, you could see it coming a year ago. Yes. The first time I heard about that movie at all was maybe two years ago. And, well, there's problems. Well, they're doing the, And then a year ago, the movie's done. Well, they're going to have to get it out at some point, but I don't know. It's just it doesn't look
1: good. Then they tried to roll out a new trailer that got people excited of, hey, this actually looks good. No, it actually ended up not being. Transformers Revenge of the
0: Fallen looked like it might be a fun movie with the trailer. It wasn't. Oh, boy. You know, and that's the other thing. Do you want to risk your life to get a, a maybe? You know, I, If I'm going to go to the theater, I want to know it's good, You know, or it's one I'm going to see no matter what. Even if the reviews for a Bond movie aren't great, I'm a Bond fan. I'm going to go. Right. If the reviews for Star Wars weren't good, which we knew were probably going to be the case, I'm going anyway. I mean, there are fan.
1: X-Men fans who probably still were like, I'll go with yeah. New Mutants, but were probably disappointed that it was another poor-to-middling X-Men movie. Not poor-to-middling. It
0: was worst of the bunch. They've Correct. Since Dark Phoenix, they've fallen off the table, so they need yeah. a... A bit of a retooling that went from great to, eh. but that's a sidebar. That's another anyway. thing. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Is it worth it? You know, if you're going to go to the grocery store, yeah, it's worth it. You need the food. Are you going to go for your entertainment dollar and roll the dice? You know, right. You take precautions, but do you trust other people personally? No. You know, I'm sure the theater does everything they could do to clean things up as best you can, and that's like second phase. First phase are the people directly around you that are you know going to be sitting there talking at the theater, taking their phone in the theater. Those are the same people that will just, I'm going to take my mask off. I don't have popcorn or a drink. I'm just going to take my mask off because I don't want to wear it. And I'm going to cough and I'm going to laugh loudly. I'm going to get real close to this other guy that aren't going to take those precautions. Do I have confidence in other people around me to protect me? Straight up, no. Because you're seeing it everywhere that it's just kind of – you need to protect yourself, and if I go to get a ticket and I go into the theater and it's jam-packed or there's people that clearly don't care, I will go back and get it, see if I can get a refund right now because I'm not going into that theater. Can I push it to another day? Can I, get a, can I exchange this for a ticket for tomorrow? Is that possible? Can I scalp this in the parking lot? Because I'm not going in there under the circumstances that I walked in and saw. I would do that. But with others. And that's the, and that's kind of the catch. You really need to look out for yourself. So how is that going to impact other industries? If you just go out and don't care, it won't. You could go you could know that well, this town is a hot spot. This place to eat is where a lot of people have caught it. Are you gonna go anyway? That's on you. Am I
1: gonna go even for takeout? No. No, 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 no. Rick and Nick Flix is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater as we continue with discussing where things currently stand with the movie industry amidst the coronavirus and looking to new releases that are getting released here soon and talking about impacts perhaps on the movie industry as well. Here's another topic that is worth bringing up, Dave, alongside of this, and that is the impact of release through streaming primarily – and the biggest example of this going on right now is Mulan, which we have talked about for a few months. We've we've dabbled into discussing what Mulan's plan was going to be, the fact that they moved from a wide release to a release through Disney+, Plus, and a release that has been scrutinized in some respects for being $29.99 for Disney Plus subscribers to pay on top of what they already pay for their subscription to be able to watch the movie and watch it on direct-to-home release through this streaming platform. The reason for the number, the best guess, the best sort of theory posited by that is that it's supposed to offset a family going to the theater, or something close to that. That this was the number that they settled on for trying to offset that, which... People still weren't a big fan of that they had to pay on top of what they already pay with this streaming service to be able to watch it. But they had to try to recoup some kind of, of money in some way, shape, or form. But hey, I've talked to a few people here and there who've said, yeah, I'm I'm willing to pay that money out to be able to watch. But they talked as if it's going to have to be when I've got my family in the room or a few people who can split the cost a little bit on this because it is forking out quite a bit. The reviews for the movie have been decent. People, I mean, th- that is its own side topic as far as how people have felt about the movie. But they, it's been a decent feel for a movie where people are a little disappointed it doesn't fully adhere to the original Disney version. But apparently it was trying to adhere to the original story itself a little bit more too. But again, that's a sidebar conversation regarding the movie. The main thing regarding the time that we have going on right now is the manner in which it was released. There's, I got two opinions on
0: this, and I think it just kind of depends, and they kind of maybe cancel each other out, but I don't think they do. I understand a $30 rental fee for what would be a brand new release, because it's an alternative to going to the movie theater. So. All right, let's say you're going to go to a matinee, which is usually the cheapest prices to go see a show at the theater. Let's just say, for argument's sake, seven bucks. Mom, dad, two kids, seven, 14, 21, 28. That's $28 just for tickets. Right. Oh, but there's popcorn and there's drink. And of course, at the theater, they're not the cheapest thing. So it's not uncommon for a family of four to maybe go spend 50 bucks for a show. And now you're going to be having the convenience of not having to get up from your couch leave your house, drive your car, park your car, go pay for this, screaming kids, people in the theater that might be talking, so on and so forth. Plus, you're not running the risk of picking up a pandemic either. So in the long run, it might be a more cost-effective measure. You want food and snacks? You probably have them at the house. And if you don't, it's cheaper to get in other places. So I can understand the financial and I understand how we're trying to offset and I get it. So, you have two movies very recently that have done the whole call it $30 admission fee to go see. You had Mulan, which is going to be coming out here pretty quick on uh, Disney Plus, and you had Bill and Ted Face the Music, which was not exclusive to necessarily anywhere. There's various different places where you can pay the $30 rental and get it. Um, And maybe just a straight up VOD rental where you don't need to subscribe to a streamer. So, how come Mulan is still $30 plus the, you know, what is it, 5 10 bucks depending on which version of the service you have? How come it wasn't a $20 release if you're already paying 10 for the month to get it? It makes sense if you've got people watching it with you. If you're going to watch it yourself after the kids go to bed, maybe not such a great idea. But if you're going to have an after-school special on the couch, okay, kids, we're going to watch Milan at home, and you, know, you can bring a couple of friends, and we'll all watch it. You get eight people in the house to watch it for $30. It's cheaper than it would be at the theater. Here's the big question. Is this going to be the new norm? Is this going to be the new thing where streaming services are going to look for any opportunity they can get every nickel they can from you, including, and I would use the word, exploit? Is this going to give them license to do that? And I think that's what some of the pushback is. In and of itself, you're not getting this with Bill and Ted, but you are with Milan. How come? Well, first of all, it's Disney. They're one of the biggest companies. And if you can protest Disney, some people want to protest Disney. And others are just saying, I'm already paying a fee. Shouldn't this be part of it or shouldn't the fee be dropped versus Bill and Ted, which is not on Disney Plus to my knowledge, but no. it's in other places where you can just pay the straight up 30 and that's it. Um, is this going to be licensed for the streamers in the future to fleece you as best, they, as best they can? And on top of that, is this going to be an opportunity for streamers to just bypass theaters all around and watch theater chains drop? And the and we'll talk more about this here later, that now that theaters can be owned by studios, might they do this in order to drive them out of business so they can purchase them cheaper and start their own little side empire?
1: Well, it's, it's worth talking about that, I think, right now, because there is that exclusivity factor that then becomes a part of this where you have to be a Disney Plus subscriber right now to be able to watch Mulan. That's the big difference, is that it almost becomes a a pool to say, if you want to watch Mulan, you have to subscribe to Disney Plus in order to be able to do that, and then you're paying that extra money on top of it to be able to watch right now. It becomes this pool to be able to say, this is the only way that you can watch, and then you start to have that that division that takes place of well take for instance apple tv that's the only way to be able to watch the movie that you've wanted to to watch here for some time greyhound i still want to see it and i'm i'm just i don't want to do the the
0: trial thing you know because as soon as I do and then i cancel after the trial because that's all i want to see on apple tv that's it I want to see this one show, and that's it. But then there will be another one that will come.
1: Well, there's pre- there's precedent for this in some ways, too. Think about something like HBO, where it's pay-per-view. It's, it's pay for that specific channel that you are going in an extra subscription in order to pay for, or it's a little bit on top of what you pay for your cable television or whatever that ends up looking like and whatever manner in which you do that even something through something like you know let's say you have youtube tv you're paying extra per month to have hbo to be part of your package sure. because it's its own special entity that way but you're getting this very special very exclusive content i mean for people who watch game of thrones and were really dedicated to watching that show or place what, you can see it right that's the only place you can see it that's the only place you can go for it so Television has more or less already provided a blueprint for what this looks like or what this could look like. Movies now, all of a sudden, it feels like are reaching this place of reckoning on that thanks to the pandemic that we have going on because that has expedited the process of what do we do with these streaming platforms for movie releases. All of a sudden, Pandora's box has been opened for, wait a minute. We can release this through our streaming service that we have. Let's say NBC Universal. Some uh, within that umbrella, they've got a movie that could be released Craft through yes, yeah, something like that through Peacock, which just came out. And they decide, all right, we're just going to go that direction, and we'll release it through that. Now they have that option. All of a sudden, the question is, should that be taken or not? Should that be done or not? And. While it may end up getting more subscribers for them, I know there's already fatigue in the marketplace of people looking at all the different streaming platforms and saying this is exhausting to determine do I get Netflix, do I get Apple TV, do I get Hulu, do I get Disney Plus, how many of these do I really want to pay my money for? And there are new ones coming along all the time. And new ones getting created all the time. I mean, CBS All Access has come along. Like I said, Peacock just came along now as well for NBC. It's becoming very tiresome for consumers to determine what exactly to pay for out of all of that. And I almost hope that it reaches a breaking point because I think you're missing what you get out of the widespread release When you have all of this and you have these choices that come along with all of this. But the movie industry is taking a hard look at this. And like you said, Dave, having exclusivity with theater ownership becoming a factor now, which we've already talked about on on another episode not all that long ago. But having that now be an option is giving a lot more pause for thought for these, these different movie companies of how exactly do we do this when maybe this isn't the route to go. Maybe this isn't something that should be considered as strongly as they are. I've
0: never been a fan of exclusivity, but I understand it. You know HBO, for example, is owned by Warner Media, Warner Brothers. So you're going to get Warner Brothers films show up on HBO, for example, rather than,
1: say, Showtime. And HBO Max, which just was created for their online streaming platform. But
0: that's their own content. Why can't we release our own content on our own stuff? You're obviously not going to have to pay a a licensing fee because it's your license. So if you want to show something else, let's say they want to show the Iron Man movies, uh, all the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's Marvel. That's Disney. Can you do it? Probably, but does Disney want it to be exclusive to Disney Plus? Maybe, but you can charge Netflix a licensing fee to get all those movies over there, and then you're you're open. So I've always been a fan of, you know, sure, do that, but let's not fleece them either. Let's get some money off of it, but let's make things open and available with some exclusivity. Sure, Game of Thrones was made by Warner Brothers. It was made for HBO. That's the only place you're going to catch it. But after a time, it does become available. Stranger Things is exclusive to Netflix. It was made for Netflix and still is. Um, but after a while, when the next season, when season four comes out, they'll probably release season three on other platforms, even if it's just disc. And then you can see them. Right now, if you don't have Netflix, you can still watch Stranger Things. The first two seasons they're available on DVD. You can go to you know Target or Walmart or wherever and get them, see them, watch them, borrow them from somebody like me who still has a DVD collection. Great show.
1: Um, who but still has a DVD collection. I'm not giving it up for reasons just like what we're talking right. about. exactly, exactly. And I think there may come a point where if this continues down this road, Dave, I think we're going to reach a point where people are going to appreciate the idea of owning your own movie or owning your own TV show again. I mean, But that's something we're finding out we don't. You
0: You get people that have bought the movie on, let's say, iTunes or something. And then at some point, Apple loses the license to sell it. Unless you currently have it downloaded on your iPad or whatever, you don't have the license for it anymore. But wait, right. I just bought this movie. Well, technically, you didn't. You just had a long-term rental. I don't and know. That's becoming. It's because going to some
1: courts. I think people are going to reach that point where they they appreciate that again. Just look at the the cost for some of these TV shows. I mean, you can get a box set of a multi-season television show for pretty cheap, and when you think about the cost that you pay for some of these streaming services, I look at that and I go, uh, yeah, I'm going to own the physical copy of the office rather than paying for the streaming service that has the office and having to pay like 10 12 bucks a month, I'll pay whatever, $80, 90 $100 the flat fee to own the series rather than have to pay that monthly fee going over and over. That's the less course than of a year. Several years. Exactly. If, if you're being for exactly. and
0: and the office just moved from Netflix to is it Disney now? Where did it go to Peacock? Well, it just moved. I think it's on if Peacock gonna, now. If you're going to if you're going to subscribe to the whatever streamer just for the one show, pay the eighty dollars for the box set. Right. That's less than the year it's going to take for you to have that. And you're not going to watch that whole show in a year. Same with owning movies.
1: Sure. You know, if you like a movie enough, better just to own it. Better just to pay that fee and own it rather than. Oh, this movie just popped up on here. Now, it is beneficial if you are, you know, let's say that there's a movie that's out there um, that that you haven't seen all that frequently or you suddenly see that pops up on Netflix and it's like, hey, I'd like to check this out. Sure. There, there's that benefit there. But going back to widespread new releases, I don't know, Greyhound, I wonder how the producers of Greyhound are feeling about what kind of viewership it has gotten to be able to watch it through Apple TV and going that route, rather than what they could have done with a wide release over the summertime in theaters. I I just... And think about the, the quality of product, too. I mean, for some of these movies that would have maybe bombed at the box office, probably was better off for them to be released through a streaming platform or to go that direction. Sure. But for a movie like Tenet it had to go to the big screen. I mean that's part of that, that's part of the draw of it, you know? It's part of what I talked about in in the in the review of it earlier here in the episode is this is a movie that demands to be seen on the big screen. That's kind of crafted to be seen on the big screen. No other way. And that's that's part of the charm of of the movie going experience that maybe for some movies they don't try to draw upon quite as much, but that's why VOD exists like it does. Um, and, and or going straight to cassette, you know, straight to home video, that whole concept.
0: Direct-to-video, for me, generally, and there are exceptions to this, but generally was a kiss of death. I don't want to see it yep. if it's direct-to-video. Well, why not? Half the movies that are on Netflix are movies you've never heard of. Maybe starring somebody who used to make great movies, Nicolas Cage, I'm looking right at you, Exactly. who apparently bought too many dinosaur skulls that he needs to make anything and everything that they're throwing at him, and that includes a lot of bad movies. I never heard of this movie. That's because it never went theatrical, because they knew nobody was going to pay their you know $10 to go see it and bring the
1: family and popcorn and gas and whatever. Netflix, it's a bad movie. Netflix has mined those dumpsters for oh, some yeah. pretty good concepts and pretty good movies, but... On the whole, 75 to 85% of those, not good. Sharknado is
0: a direct to video movie. And it just, it was one of those. It's that concept. It was lightning in a bottle, and they just harnessed something that was so stupid it was entertaining. And people knew it was entertaining, and they knew it was so stupid that it was entertaining, so they all flocked to be a part of it. But each, how many have they made now? Sharknado 12 now? How many have they made? Each one of them gets worse and worse and worse. like four or five. Watch Speed, and then watch Speed 2. The concept of Speed is pretty basic, kind of stupid, but fun, and they really made it work. And a great cast, and it, it worked. But they, they tried to do it again. Great cast, not really working anymore. You know whether Keanu made the second one or not irrelevant I mean you you got really <laughs> yeah. lucky stop there but here's another dynamic that we're missing with this whole exclusivity back to this topic real quick is uh, the social element of it is missing. Back in my day, oh my goodness, I've just dated myself at how old. There's that, day, There's that line. There's
1: that line, yeah. You would go and have
0: a, a night out with your buddies or a sleepover or whatever, and somebody would bring a movie and going to a blockbuster or whatever and picking out a great movie and some snacks and pizza and watching it and playing video games was fun. You could bring whatever you had to wherever you were going. If you're going out of town for the weekend, you would go and they would have a DVD player and you could watch a selection of whatever you brought or whatever they had for you to bring. Uh, even just bringing Hoove into this for a minute. Hoove had never seen Top Gun. And we were talking about it at one point for some reason. That's right, Maverick. And I I said, you never saw Top Gun? you got to come over. We're going to have movie night. You're coming over. We're going to watch Top Gun. And that's exactly what happened. But at the time, Top Gun wasn't streaming anywhere. It's not on Hulu. It's not on Netflix. It's nowhere. Well, I guess sorry, who for not watching Top Gun? Except at my house, because I've got it on DVD and I can watch it whenever I want, wherever I want, with whomever I want. I've got DVD players in any building that I'm going to go spend time in. Hey, we're going to go out of town this weekend. We'll bring movie with us. We'll watch it. It's going to be a little cold that night. We'll watch it there. It'll be awesome. And you can you can't. You, there's no streaming options in some parts because we do live in a rural America. If you don't have good Wi-Fi or good internet in some places, and I know people that just don't have that option, they live enough off the grid that it's not an option for them. So they even have a disc player, or they don't get to watch TV, or they have to, you know, buy a satellite dish. And even then, if they're really in the sticks, it has a hard time getting through the trees. So it's it's an option that you have that you can watch what you want, with whom you want, when you want, and it doesn't matter about licenses or exclusivity. I bought it. You can still buy them now, and you can do whatever you want. It's options is what you're buying for. When you do the streaming service, it's almost like going to the restaurant and you order off the menu. Yeah, but I want a cheeseburger. We don't have cheeseburgers here, but that's what I want. Then you shouldn't have come here. But when it becomes exclusive and nobody owns, nobody's offering a cheeseburger in your town because they're all owned by a group that doesn't show cheeseburgers, so to speak, you see where we're trending here. Yeah. If the theaters start getting owned by, let's say, Paramount owns the theater in Bemidji, let's say, at some point, they're only going to show Paramount movies. Yeah, but I, I wanted to see this movie that's not a Paramount movie. Well, you've got to go the, the next town over. I don't want to drive 30 miles. I want right. to drive 10 miles to the movie theater here. That's not an option. And that's another concern that could happen. And that's kind of what's happening with streaming. I'd have to pay some other fee to get such and such a service. Yeah, but there's a seven-day trial. Yeah, but you only get that one time. So if I do Apple TV to watch Greyhound, that's it. That's all I want. I would cancel as soon as I was done watching the movie. But then in three months or whatever, if you want to see this movie, you'll only get it on Apple TV. I don't get the seven-day trial anymore because I used it. So you don't just get to redo the trial every time you cancel. They're not that dumb. But that's the problem that you're running into. They can get as much content in front of as many people as they possibly
1: can, but then the exclusivity comes in, and it's a problem. The movie industry seems like it's starting to get into a tug-of-war between two different mindsets, and it's a tug-of-war with itself, more or less, because on the one hand you have the classic movie-going experience, which a lot of people still appreciate. I mean, you go to a $5 movie night here in town, and you see a ton of people who still appreciate the movie-going experience and going to see movies in theaters. You have really good years at the box office that we've had in recent years. We've had some down ones, but we've had some really good ones too. And it's not just... all because of inflation. It's, you know, people are coming out to the theater. The theater experience is an, is trying to keep up with the times to be able to make it something for people to come out to that is going to be an experience. But on the other hand, the other, the other part of this tug of war is the fact that streaming has taken off in the manner that it has. Like I said earlier, the movie industry, I think, is seeing what has happened with the television industry, with the success of Netflix, with all of these streaming services and platforms that have launched, and they've gone, is this the place for us? Is this the place to go for the future? Is this the place where we can get content churned out? Well, if your goal is to churn out content, then sure, you can churn out movies in the matter of a Netflix B movie really quickly through these streaming platforms and services. If your goal is trying to keep in mind the entertainment experience that you get with movies, which, and, which I think sometimes gets lost in all of this, and the element of putting quality out there rather than quantity, thinking about the bottom line then you've got to keep in mind that other part of that tug-of-war and that movie-going experience and still regard it as essential while still looking at the streaming side of this and going, how can we maybe best utilize this, rather than thinking we've got to go direct-to-release through this. Maybe it only is for post-release for where you can use that exclusivity of is this going to be the best way to, to release it alongside of movies going to, to store shelves? Maybe that's the best way to look at it rather than new releases only going through streaming platforms. But again, it's it's going with the trends of the times. And right now, with the pandemic going on, it is giving them a reason to put new releases out through that platform when getting past all of this. Will they still be thinking that direction? I certainly hope not, because there is something to be to be gained and gathered from putting them out through the big screen. But they might not think that way.
0: You know, I, I agree. And not that we're kind of going down the, the rabbit hole of streaming, and this is more about the pandemic, but we'll get back to that here in a second. One more point I would like to make about you've got so many options. But nobody's taking those options. There's the one option. We just want all the content. We want to bypass this. We want to put it all on streaming. If you're, let's say, let's say we're talking about NBC Universal. Let's just leave it at that. Let's just talk Peacock. How many movies has Universal made, like, from ever? you got Halloween coming up. Didn't they make the original Frankenstein? Didn't they make the original Wolfman? Didn't they make those Universal movie monsters? Bring them in. And I here's here's the other thing. Don't bring content in and then take it out and then put in new stuff to keep it fresh. Who's to say it's not like a merry-go-round? You're going to have every Back to the Future movie, let's say, which is universal.
1: Not every place has to be like Netflix in that merry-go-round manner, especially exactly. if, if that's where your, your studio would have its stuff go. Exactly.
0: You still have your Christmas decorations in your house year-round, but they're not always front and center. There's a time of the year when they are, and then you put them away. They're still there. If you want to pull them out at any given time, you want to pull them out in March, you can. I think a movie streaming service like that, particularly one that's owned by a studio, should be like that. Back to the Future, for example, should always, 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 always be available on Peacock. It never comes and then goes. But maybe it comes under the spotlight. Maybe you pull it out from the back and you put it on display and, hey, back to the, you promote it a little bit. Hey, what a great movie. If you've not seen it, it's awesome. And then it kind of fades into the background, but it's always there. If you want to find it, it's there. If you want to lease it out to Netflix, which it currently is also, that's awesome too. I have no problem about exclusivity for a limited time and then make it available everywhere. But if in five years' time I can't watch Stranger Things except on Netflix, now granted it's a show that is still being made. So that's a little different. But let's talk about Netflix making a movie. They made a couple with Adam Sandler. They'd signed an exclusivity deal with him. They made them. They're for Netflix. But those movies are now, in some cases, five years old. Why not license them to other places at this point? If people were going to be driven to Netflix to see that Adam Sandler exclusive comedy, its window has come and gone. Keep it there. Sure. License so it doesn't it out. matter
1: at this point. Yeah.
0: Here's another idea. Why don't you come up with, say, Netflix theater, let's call it, where it's older movies, but they're being shown in a different way, different opportunities. The nice thing about DVDs is you had all kinds of, say, like commentary tracks. To my knowledge, not offered at the moment on a lot of these streaming services. Why not bring that in? You have the opportunity not just to hear it in French and Portuguese and so forth, but here's the commentary track that you could get on a DVD that now you can listen to here. So it's a movie that you know and love. You know every line, but why did they make this choice and how come that way – I like watching with a commentary track. Or try this. I used to love Monster Vision on TNT. They would show a couple of spooky movies and then maybe cut away in a break and have Joe Bob Briggs talk about something funny and blah, blah, blah. Why not when you come to a particular time of the year, Halloween and Christmas time, something like that where there's sort of a package around it. Hey, tonight it's the double feature. They're going to show it on Netflix. Yeah, but let's just watch the movie. Yeah, but I've seen the movie a hundred times. Let's see it in a little bit of a different way and make it an event. So it's kind of fun. So you're getting commentary track. Or like Mystery Science Theater 3000, there's people in the front row on your TV screen talking in an interesting way about the movie you're watching. So it's something interesting to add to the layer. And if you want to turn that off, you certainly can. But you can also see it presented like this. How many times has the same movie been repackaged and re-released and more money is made? If you present it in a fun and interesting way, how much would it cost to make that kind of content around it? Minimal. How much would it take to get money from it? Probably a lot, especially if you market it, not just on your streaming service. You turn on Netflix and there's usually a commercial that pops up immediately. Why can't you do that? promoting this Halloween these classic horror movie monsters are going to be presented by me Joe Bomb Briggs. Yep. That sounds kind of cool, you know. Why can't something like that happen? It's not just that you we have to do it this way. You can do it all of these ways and they're just not. Dave uh, I will we're... offer that idea for free. Uh,
1: yes, you have before we wrap up this this podcast today I think it's I think it's worth making a point alongside all of this as I was listening to you rattle off this tremendous idea Rant. it no it was a it was a great <laughs> great idea as I was listening to this it suddenly struck me that movie consumption really has changed and it, it really has and you and I are in kind of an insular setting with this podcast because you and I are both Big time movie fans. We are big time movie buffs and we appreciate the experience of the movie. You know, that's why it's been so hard for you to be away from the theater here during the pandemic is because you love the movie experience. I love the movie experience. I think the last
0: movie I saw was in January of 2020. Yeah. I think it was 1917. Yep, I think that was the last movie I saw in the that theater. That sounds
1: about right. And, but I, I look at other people in the way that they consume movies, even when I talk to my friends. And movies have become something that you kind of put on in the background, something that people don't pay attention to all that much. Sometimes it's just more or less consumed rather than watched. And I think it's a big reason why we are facing some of these questions that we are facing about where the industry is heading because consumer feeling has changed. And and again, we're we're within an insular setting within this podcast because you and I are big-time movie fans and movie idealists in many ways of how we, we think things should run. And we have an appreciation and a longing too for bygone era kind of thinking as far as how movies do get released. And I, I think it's something that, that shouldn't be lost. But a lot of consumers do treat things in a way that has led... These movie companies to think, is this the best way for us to do things moving forward of releasing through a manner like a streaming service or something like that? There is a reason we have gotten to that point, and the reason in some respects is the consumer, and it is sad because I think the consumer needs to change their way of taking in a movie and con- and consuming a movie rather than just engulfing it, appreciating it.
0: I think it's not just a movie thing. I think it's a culture thing. I don't want to go way deep on this, but I think if you look across the culture of this country, and I think it's this country, I don't think it's universal everywhere, I think there's such a superficiality about things and where things are literally to be skimmed over. You go out on a boat on a wonderful night, and somebody on the boat isn't even really with you. They're with you, but they're not with you. They're on their phone, exactly. and they're texting about the party that's going exactly. on that they're not going to. You're not going to be at the party tonight. It's 100 miles away. Why are you on your phone texting it's about a party? It's transient living. It is. It's exactly. I mean, People are – there was a guy I know that his phone would not stop blowing up. Just every notification from text and email and a Facebook comment, and blah, 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 his phone would not shut up. And reminders about the meeting that's tomorrow – But now he's in the meeting, and he's not focused on the meeting that his phone has been reminding him every five minutes about leading up to the meeting. He's already thinking about the next thing. He's not in the thing. How many people sit down at a meal and don't eat the meal? They just – it's fuel for them to keep moving forward while other people take a moment. They sit down. They put their phones down. They talk with people at the table. They're trying to be in the now. And there are times absolutely where I'll put on a movie while I'm working on something, but it's a movie I know. I know it well. Right. I, I could I could watch Dumb and Dumber and not even watch the screen and I know exactly what is happening and the expression that Jim Carrey's making, because I've probably seen that movie literally thirty times. Easy. Easy. Back to the future, hundred times. You know, But other things are so nuanced, there's no way I would put on a brand new movie while I'm folding laundry or something because I want to see it. I would like really see it. Right. You know, I don't have a little teeny screen downstairs. I got a big screen TV. I want to see those nuances. I want to take it in and I want to enjoy it. But some people, life is to be skimmed over to get to the next thing. And once you get to that thing that you've anticipated, now you're not even really part of it. You're looking forward to the next thing. I'm looking forward to Halloween. Mm-hmm. For some reason this year, I'm really looking forward to it. I know it might get canceled, but I don't care what other people do. I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to enjoy my Halloween. And when it comes, I'm not already looking forward to Thanksgiving. you know. And I think with Black Friday is a good example. Thanksgiving, what's, what's Thanksgiving? Now it's Black Thursday. People are running away from the dinner table right. to run and get the store. I think that's a, system, a systemic issue where movies are part of this larger fallout where movies aren't enjoyed anymore. You look forward to the new movie just so you can get there, be there, tell people you saw it, but you know, if you were quizzed about the movie, did you really see it? Did you go really enjoy it and go see it again? How many people went and saw Christopher Nolan's Memento or Tenant, and it's a movie that I hear through the grapevine needs a repeat viewing to really soak it all in. How many people won't care enough to even think
1: about doing that? I know I'm I saw already it. thinking it about when was, I'm going to go. Yeah. I already know I'm thinking about when I'm going to go and see it again. Yeah, if,
0: if the date comes that I'm able to go see the movie while it's still in theaters and it's safe to do so for me, uh, I would probably go buy a ticket to the one show and then the one right after it. Yeah. And so when the guy comes yeah. in to sweep up and decontaminate, he's like, I, I have a ticket for number two. I knew coming in I should probably see exactly. it twice. I will be here for the next showing.
1: Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater as Dave and I take stock of the movie industry, where it is right now with the coronavirus going on, where things are heading as well. Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport, is open again. You can come and you can get your popcorn from there if you don't want to stick around for a movie if you are comfortable enough to go and check out the movies these days, they've got precautions in place and you can go and see new movies like Tenet which just came out and you can see them on the big screen. Any final closing thoughts Dave before we wrap up here uh, on what's been a, a pretty full episode.
0: Be safe. You know, this it seems that you can't talk about the pandemic without it wading into political territory and that's not where we're going here. I you know, I never thought listen to your doctor would be a political divisive thing. So it's just it isn't that at all. You know, if you want to go see a movie and who's going to see the movie. I'm not judging who for going to do something that I wouldn't do. His circumstances are different than mine. Right. And for him and he's taking his precautions, that's great. You know, I'm I'm not prepared to do that for the sake of my kiddo and what my wife does for her profession and the risk that would be involved for those. And if something happens and it turns out that such and such place that you ate out at Gets hit with a you know something something. You're not going to work for the next two weeks, or yeah. he's not going to school for the next two weeks. That's a problem, and there are many people in many different areas, not just Bemidji, but others that well, if you can't work for two weeks, we can't have you. You know, well, what do you? And now people are unemployed, and it's it's just a risk that we're not. I'm not willing to roll. But if that's something that you want to do, that's that's you. But be safe, be responsible, be don't be that guy, be the other guy. That's going to take precautions and think seriously and will stand six feet apart from one another, but go support your theater. If nothing else, go swing by popcorn. Who doesn't want popcorn for movie night, even if it's on your own couch and get a drink to go with it. And I think Bemidji still has some great deals where you can buy a uh, popcorn and get a free drink. So go and support your local theater, even if it's not involving a movie ticket, go get a snack. The snack bar is what supports
1: your local theater and the studios clearly are going to be able to take care of themselves. And thank you for supporting the podcast as well by tuning in and listening to us. So thanks for joining us today as we take stock of the full scene and as we review one of the movies that's out there. One of us, dude. I'm not even
0: going to listen. La, 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 la.
1: Well, yeah, you did just fine with that. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm cautious Dave Brooks. And we will see you eventually at the movies.